truly discouraged from learning the Word of God and reading the Word of God because uh, they think a lot of times that we have to have an education or a degree to be able to understand it. Um, maybe there's some people in here that feel that way. But I want you to know something. The way we learn the Word of God is not by our own strength. It never has been and never will be. But it's by the Master Teacher, the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that Peter told in his book that he wrote that the, the, the prophets and the men of God were moved upon by the Holy Spirit. And they brought through, from the oracles of God, they brought the words that we read in the Bible. Uh, some of these men were very educated, but some of them wasn't. But God used them, anointed them, and equipped them. How many knows that for what God wants us to do, He will always give us the grace to do it? Can somebody say amen? amen. Hallelujah. Turn to the book of Jude here uh, this evening. The book of Jude comes right before the book of Revelation. It is the last uh, of the last books, we should say. And to be truthful, we are living in the book of Jude. Um, some of the words that are said in the book of Jude uh, pertaining mainly to the end times, to the end of this age, are in the book of Jude. Um, really, the book of Jude was sent as a warning to the church, to the people of God. And how many of uh, has heard verses in the Bible that say in the last days? Has anybody heard those verses? How many has heard verses that maybe say in the day of the Lord? Has anybody heard that? The day of the Lord's vengeance. The day of the Lord's judgment. I want you to understand something here tonight. Is when it says the day, it's not talking about a literal 24-hour day. Uh, we can take it literal in some instances, but a lot of times when the Bible says the day of the Lord's vengeance or in the last days, we have to realize that one day with the Lord is of a thousand years. And a thousand years is with one day. It's, it's, we have to understand that a lot of times we got to take um, things into context and we got to understand it that way. You know, you can... Um, in that, you know, we say like back when we were old, younger, back in the day, not just a little 24-hour day, but back in the years, you know what I'm saying? And uh, when we read things like Jesus said, this is the acceptable, and, and some of the words in the song that mom was singing, uh, when she, it was kind of patterned after when Jesus stood up in the temple. How many of you remember in Luke, it's, it's in some of the Gospels, when Jesus stood up to read in the temple and he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. How many has heard that? Raise your hand if you heard the verses. For he's anointed me to preach the gospel, to preach deliverance to the captive, recovering of sight to the blind, healing of the brokenhearted, uh, to set at liberty those who are bruised. Then he says this to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Was Jesus talking about a 365 day year? No. He was talking about an age, a span of time where the Lord would, it would be an acceptable year of the Lord. It would be a time when God would move in this time period. Now, I want you to see something with me tonight. The church started a new age in the Word of God. 
There, God spans out his different sets of time in what we call dispensations or ages. I want you to know that in the book of Acts, the church age began. It began in the book of Acts. The initial outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost is when the church age was born. And we are still living in what is called the church age. Why do you call it the church age? Well, it's the church's job to take the gospel to the world. It's the church's job to be the, to evangelize the world, to take this gospel around the four corners of the globe. That's called the church age. But I want you to know something. The church age is wrapping up. The church age is wrapping up. How many's heard of the seven churches in the book of Revelation? How many's heard of that? It talks about the different churches. The church of Philippi, the church of Ephesus. I'm not the Philippi, I'm sorry. The church of Ephesus, uh, Laodicea, uh, the church of Philadelphia. We hear of these different churches. And Jesus visits John and tells him he's going to... Uh, do this and that to these churches. Well, it gets down to the very last church, which is called the Church of Laodicea. And, and Jesus would say that you feel like you're rich, but you're truly poor and blind and naked. And he would say that I stand on the outside knocking at the door. And right after this church was uh, given to John, this vision, immediately after that, the Lord told John to come up here. To him, to come up to the very throne of God. And that was a type of the rapture of the church. Now, how, what would you guys call the church? Is it this building? It's what? God's people, his body. Well, I want you to understand this. Number one, we read Paul told us that God has not appointed his people. Unto wrath, but unto salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. So, for those of you that maybe are wondering, is this the tribulation? Is this the seven year tribulation we read about in the book of Revelation? I want to uh, um, comfort you and tell you it is not. The seven year tribulation starts the very moment that the Antichrist comes and reveals himself and signs a peace treaty with Israel. But I want you to know something. There's something that's holding the Antichrist from revealing himself. Now, we don't know who the Antichrist is. We know he's not going to be an American. We know that. He's not going to be Hillary Clinton. I'm sorry. Uh, but we don't know who the Antichrist is. But John said that the spirit of the Antichrist has been working in the world. That the spirit of the Antichrist is anything. What's that word? Antichrist. Against Christ. That's not Christ. That spirit has been working. But now it's possible. It's very possible that that man, the Bible speaks of the Antichrist, he could very well be alive right now. I believe he probably is because we're coming close to the time where the church is getting out of here. But I want you to see something. If he is alive, if he is conniving, if he is being dealt with by the powers of darkness, to form a, a plan to deceive God's people, the Jews. If he truly is, there is one thing that's holding him back from his plan of deception. There's one thing that is holding him back from revealing himself. There's one thing that's holding him back from world dominion. There's one thing, and it is the body of Christ. 
Jesus said, upon this rock shall I build my church in the gates of hell. I don't care what hell has to throw at it. They can say, don't sing, don't chant, don't preach. But Jesus said, the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. For when the church is here, he that is within me, I said, he that is within me is greater than he that's in this world. So there's something that's holding back the powers of darkness. And I want you to know it is you. It is the children of God. It is the children of light. It is the children called by His name. Hallelujah. Glory to God. It is God's people. We're in the church age. We are the church age. The book of Acts has not ended. No, it's still being wrote, writ, wrote, written. Excuse me for my grammar. Haley's back there trying to not laugh at me. And it's still being written. And you want to know who the characters that are in that book now are? It's the church. It's God's people. It's His chosen people. And it's the Holy Spirit moving. And I want to focus on that here tonight. The Holy Spirit moving. I believe me and Grandmother were talking last night and yesterday. And we were talking about, and Grandmother's always told me this my whole life. And I found it hard to believe. Yes. But it's, I'll believe it when I see it, right? We always say that I'll believe it yes. when I see it. Well, Grandmother always told me that there would be some kind of worldwide <coughs> collision. There would be some kind of worldwide <coughs> pandemic calamity that would make people shaken. That would make them curious about what's going to happen next. That would get people's attention. And she said, JT, let me tell you. When this happens, there's going to be a revival. She always told me. She said, it's going to be Joel's revival. Joel 2 and 28, I believe. When, uh, or 2 and 8. Uh, when Peter said, it is, um, this is that which the prophet Joel prophesied about. On the day of Pentecost. He said, in the last days I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men will dream dream. Your young men will see visions. And let me tell you something. The church needs to get a vision. Much of the church has lost its vision. It's lost one time. I don't know if she wants me to share it. Remember what she told me about she had a dream about the church one time. Can I share that? She told me, Rita said, that she dreamed that this hillside here was being blown up. And I said, why? She said, because we was having to extend the church because we couldn't hold the crowd of people. That's a vision. I said, that's a vision. You might say, well, JT, there's no way on earth. We're in Buchanan County. The coal business is going out. Everything, everybody's leaving and moving to Abingdon, to South Holston, living the lake life, what have you. But I serve a God that specializes in things that are thought impossible. This is a little help, helpful hint. Well, if you was living in a city right now, wouldn't you want to come to somewhere like this? You never know. That's a vision. The church needs to get a vision. Not, and some people might say, well, that's hopeful. You're just hoping to have a bunch of people to preach to. Listen, I don't care how many people I've got to preach to. You know who taught me that? My dad. He taught me. JT, if there's two there, preach to them. If there's one there, preach to them. 
I remember grandmother telling a story about my papa's dad. His name was Stonewall Jackson. They wouldn't like him nowadays. His name would be Effendi. But he carried a gun on his side. He became a preacher at church. He came up to my grandmother one time. She had just started in the ministry. And he, he I believe, did they call you BB? I believe. I don't know what he called you. I don't know what he called her, but he, he said, Trula, I love hear, I love to hear you minister. Why don't you come up to the church? And she said, oh, you've got a church? I didn't know. And he said, yeah, yeah, I've got a church. And boy, we have some good meetings, Holy Ghost meetings. The presence of the Lord falls in that place. And Grandma said, well, where's it at? He told her. And, and, and he said, you should come up and preach. And she said, well, do you, do you, how many people do you normally have? A pretty good crowd. He said, well, no, I can't say that really. And she said, well, how many do you normally have? And she said, well, we have a good time. He said, we have a good time. I preach. And, and, and she looked at him and said, well, how many do you have? He said, two. Amen. Me and my friend. And he said, she said, well, what do you, who do you preach to? She, he said, well, I'll preach for 15 minutes and sit down and then he'll preach to me for 15 Amen. minutes. And he said, and we wear our guns while we preach too. Amen. I don't know if she ever went and ministered at that church, but I'm like, that's a fact. That's a fact. And he kept preaching. No matter how many showed up, he kept preaching. That's what God wants the church to do. Keep preaching. Keep believing. Keep seeking. And Rita told me about that one time, that she had a dream that the church was being extended. And, and just because of the outpouring, not because of more people, not because of more uh, friends to hang out with in church, because of an outpouring of God's Spirit. There's a prophecy given back there that, that I don't know exactly what the, the likes of it is, but it says that, um, that the, something's going out into the road. Yeah, a fountain is coming through this church and going out into the road and people were turning in. That's what we need, church. We need a vision. Your young men will see visions. Well, where am I at? Church age. So, me and grandmother were watching a minister preach uh, last night, yesterday. He began to talk about a last day outpouring of God's Spirit. And I don't know about y'all, but I want to be in that last day. I want to be a part of it. And he would say that before the harvest comes, before it's time to harvest all the crops, that there would be a latter rain that would happen before that last harvest. There's a former and there's a latter rain. I believe that there's going to be, before the Lord comes back, the Bible says Jesus comes back with a crown on his head and a spindle in his hand. That spindle is to harvest. But let me tell you, I believe before that last uh, moment, before the harvest, that there's going to be a latter rain. I said, I believe there's going to be an outpouring. I believe there is. But I want you to understand something. We are living in those last days. We've heard it. For years, for years, for years. We've heard it. It's the last days. It's the last days. Now we're starting to see fulfillment of Scripture. We're starting to see things happen. And I, I, I don't want... This is the key. The, 
the last days. And I'm going to read my text in this moment. I hope y'all are in Jude. The book of Jude. The last days are not to bring fear to the church. It should not invoke fear into the church. The rapture should not invoke fear to the church. The things that we see going around should not invoke fear. The enemy's trying to use it for that. But I want you to see this. When God begins to move, sometimes there has to be a crushing. A crushing. There has to be a, a shaking that happens. But I want you to know something. God always has His people. He has never lost one battle. Come on. He's never lost one battle. He's never lost one soul. And let me tell you, He's not going to start with you. He's not going to. He's not going to start. He's not going to lose His first battle with you. He's not going to lose His first soul with you. He will never lose a battle. He will never lose a soul. So in these last days, the rapture, well, when I was little, for some reason I was scared of the rapture because I wanted to live in this world. I wanted to grow up and things like that. But I want you to know what the church has lost is an expectancy for God to come back. It's lost it. They've lost their desire. Even so come Lord Jesus. They've lost that. But we need to be looking forward to the coming. You might say, well, well, JT, I enjoy it here. I just got a, a new job or I just got some new friends. I don't want them to come back now. Let me tell you something. What you are experiencing here cannot compare to what you will experience when he comes for you. I was at a, a, a funeral today and a lot of times we look at death and we're so shaken and horrible and, and, and torn up and no doubt it's it's exactly how we probably should be because it's people we love it's people that we can't spend time with anymore but i want you to know something they are experiencing something let me tell you jesus conquered death i said he conquered death he conquered the grave now when you're absent from the body you're present with the lord now you're in his presence i have watched ruth king Climb those that step there with everything she had in her to get into the house of God. Just one little step. I'm talking a step that's about this tall. I watched her all every service. She would begin to come to that step and she would give it everything she got to get up that one step. But let me tell you something, church, today, Ruth King is able to fly up the steps if she wants to. She is experiencing the fullness of his presence. Now, I, I know Chris and Rita must miss her tremendously. That, that was their mother. But they know that she is in that city that she sung about. She's in that new Jerusalem that we long for. She has seen him face to face. Can you imagine? So there needs to be an expectancy, a desire for the coming, for the rapture of the church. So I want to read my text. I know I've talked a lot before I read. This is going to be in verse 14. And Jude said, and this is the half-brother of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment on, upon all. And to convince all that are ungodly among them that are all their ungodly deeds, 
which they have ungodly committed, and all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against them. I want you to know there's going to be no more ungodliness with him. And verse 16 says, These are murmurers, complainers, walking after their own lusts, and their mouth speaketh great swelling words, having men's persons in admiration because of advantage. But beloved, remember ye the word which was spoken before of the apostles of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the men of God. I'm talking about Peter. I'm talking about Paul. I'm talking about Moses. I'm talking about David. He said, remember the word that they have spoken. Remember how they told you that there should be mockers in the last time. Who should walk after their own ungodly lusts. These they who these be they who separate themselves, sensual, having not the spirit. But I want you to hear this. But you, beloved, building up your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. So Jude tells us, he gives us a warning. That in the last days, it's prophesied throughout God's word. It's spoken throughout God's word that there will be mockers. Those walking after their own lusts. That there will be hard times. There will be times perilous times. Jude said that there will be those that are speaking great swelling words. Earlier in the chapter of Jude, he said, I, I, I persuade you, I ask you to contend for the faith. Because there's some that have crept into the church unawares. The very elect, the ordained of God had came in and they turned coat. They jumped side and they're now turning the grace of God into something that it's not. They're preaching the wrong doctrine. They're preaching the wrong message. Times are getting struggling. Times are getting hard in the church. But beloved, he said, but beloved, you have an answer. You have something in the last days. You have something to combat the enemy with. It's the anointing. It's the anointing. Jude said in the last days. When the last days come. I'm warning you church. I'm warning you Jude said. I'm warning you to contend. I believe that in the last days. There's going to be a great contention. For the faith. What's contending? It is battling, struggling, struggling, stepping up and standing, contending for the faith. I believe we're going to see that. Jude said that those things will come. Those things will happen. But he gave us a couple steps here that I want to talk about. How are you going to make it through this time? How are you going to prevail? How are you going to endure, the Bible says? How are you going to continue to contend? Jude said the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. I remember the, the moment, the day that I was in revival at a service here. And my grandmother began to pray for me and I was filled with the Holy Spirit. I know Kayla, you probably remember the moment you was filled. Yes, I, I remember Claudia talking about that. 
Uh, Mary was telling us right before service, she remembered the moment she was filled with the Holy Ghost. God has given us a comforter. Jesus said, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come unto you. I will be your comforter. I will send another comforter. One that will be called alongside to help you. He will strengthen you. And that comfort of the Holy Spirit is given a ministry, a job. And his ministry is to move in the hearts of life of, of believers and to move on this earth. It has been like that since day one. For, uh, in Genesis, you can read how the earth was without void. Darkness was on the deep. It was a mud puddle. That's all the earth was. It was had, had endured a flood of great, great mass, and it was a mud puddle. And then it says, but the Spirit of God hovered on the waters. We need the presence of God. We need the Spirit. We need the anointing. We need the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you what I believe we're going to face. I think that the, the body of Christ is going to face a turning road. Uh, it's going to face a, a fork in the road to either choose to bow or to stand. But I want you to understand this. You don't have to be fearful. You don't have to allow fear to grip you because God is with you. I said God is with you. He told Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient. If God's grace is sufficient, that means we're going to make it to the finish line. Come hell and high waters, He's going to bring us through. His grace is sufficient for us. His grace is going to help us. The Holy Spirit is going to move in our lives and hearts and help us. We have a comforter. We have a helper. We have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. Do you realize that at the moment of salvation that God made your heart in the condition to come and live in it? He cleansed your heart. He, he made a circumcision without hands. He literally took away all that was uh, enabling him, not making him able to live in your heart. He took it all away and he made his abode in you. He lives in you. That's a scary thing sometimes. Some of the things we end up saying or doing. God lives inside of us. His Holy Spirit lives inside of us. We need to be yielding. And, and okay, that leads me to what Jude said. Jude said, Beloved, building up your most holy faith. I want to stop right there real quick and deal with that word faith. If you don't have your faith in the proper object in these last days, you will find yourself being overcome by worry, yes. anxiety, oh, yeah. fear. Yeah. You may find yourself being overcome by a, a sin of some type, whatever, because I believe it's going to get real hard to live for God in these last days. I don't want to discourage you. It's not going to be a piece of cake. Isaiah said that call, when the, uh, go to the Lord while he's yet there. So 
What do we need to help us go, to help us move, to help us walk and to continue this journey? Joy sung about it. There is no road that leads away from Calvary. There is not one road in the Christian journey that leads us away from Calvary. Somebody might say, well, well, well uh, preacher, uh, you keep telling me to look to Calvary, but I'm, I'm pretty mature in Christ now. I think I need to go a little further. You're too simple for me. You're too, you're too uh, 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 grade level one for me. Let me tell you something. There's no other grade, there's no other level beyond the cross of Christ. It was at Calvary where we uh, received the greatest thing in our life. Why would we want to leave that position? Why would we want to look somewhere else for an answer? Why would we try to search somewhere else for our help? Our help comes from the Lord. We meet God at the cross. I said we meet God at the cross of Calvary. And our help comes from the Lord. So if we want help, we better go to Him humble, realizing we can't, He can, and it's in Christ. And what He accomplished for us at Calvary's cross. The Bible says that we are to take up our cross daily and follow Him. Deny ourselves daily, take up our cross and follow Him. What does it mean to follow someone? If I'm going to stand up, Mary, if I'm going to follow Mary, turn like you're walking toward the piano. I don't do this right here because I can't see where she's going and I could be walking this way or whatever. But if I'm going to follow someone, I'm going to keep my eyes on it. I'm not going to take my eyes off of it. Maybe I'm in a crowd somewhere in a city and I don't know where I'm going, but Mary's been there before. Well, you better believe I don't want to get lost in a city because I'm too nice. I'm way too nice. I can't live in a city. I try to open the door for everybody to look at me like I'm dumb. But... I'm in a city and she knows where she's going and I don't. And I don't have my phone with me. And I've got to find her. I'm in a struggle. I'm in a storm. Well, I don't try to look this way and try to figure it out on my own where to go. I look to where I know the answer is. Mary knows where she's going. She's going to this pen up here. And I'm going to follow her all the way there. I want to keep my eyes on her so I don't get lost. So I don't get off track. That's what we do. You can sit down now. Thank you, Mary. You, that's what we do with Christ. We find ourselves in a situation. We find ourselves in a struggle. We don't take our eyes off of Him. But we look to Him, the author, the finisher of our faith. We keep our eyes in Christ, on Jesus and what He accomplished. It's the moment that we try to start figuring it out on our own that we get lost, that we get confused, that we find ourselves in despair. Our faith must stay Centered and focused in Jesus Christ and what He's done. Haley said something one time, I believe it's a quote from somewhere, and it's always stirred me. She said, As Christians, we don't fight for victory, we fight from victory. Hallelujah. Yes. Hallelujah. Yes. Glory to God. Ryan, you should jump a couple pews on that. We don't fight for victory, we fight from victory. Do you want to know, I say this all the time, you're more than a conqueror. You're not a conqueror. You're more. I said you're more. You're more than a conqueror. In Christ Jesus. The victory's already won at Calvary. So we fight from a position. We, we don't fight for the victory. We fight the good fight of faith. And lay hold 
of eternal life. We fought to keep our faith in Christ Jesus. So in this last day, Jude said mockers. Those with swelling words. Those that are trying to turn the grace of God into something that's not. Those that's trying to deceive the very elect of God. Those that's coming in, in sheep's clothing but inside the raving wolf. Jude said, when that time comes, put your faith right. Build up your holy faith. Don't let your faith weaken. Don't let your faith be torn down. But build it up. Keep your faith in the right position. And then he said, what? By praying in the Holy Ghost. You cannot fight the good fight of faith on your own. You've got to have the help of the Holy Spirit. You've got to have the help of the Comforter. We need the Holy Spirit. Jesus commanded the disciples to stay in Jerusalem. He said, don't leave Jerusalem. Don't go everywhere. I know you want to go tell them about me, but you're not going to be able to. Let me tell you why. You need power. He said, you need power. He said, those that believe, these signs will follow. They're going to lay hands on the sick. They'll recover. They'll cast out demons. They'll tread upon serpents. If they drink anything deadly, it will not kill them. He said, these things are going to follow them. But you need to wait in Jerusalem. Because I'm going to send the promise of the Father. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And when you know, you're going to know. Let me tell you, you know that you know that you know when the Holy Spirit's coming on you. I said, you know, something inside of you starts to rise up. You start to get that feeling that you can't get anywhere else when the Holy Spirit's moving. Claudia, I remember one time we had prayer a while back. And he said he wept for about 30 minutes straight. That's the power of God. Amen. That's what we need, church. And we need the help of the Holy Spirit. So the disciples had to tarry and wait for the Holy Spirit. He said, when you're endued with power, then go to the uttermost parts of the world. So we need the Holy Spirit. Ryan, come on up, man. Come on up here. Come on up here, man. I know you've probably been walking here on the day off, but I get you. How many, how many steps? What's your most steps you've walked at Walmart? Well, it was over 10 miles, sir. 10 miles. This guy knows Walmart like the back of his hand. Okay, so I want you to imagine something. Me and Ryan are going to have a knockdown drag out. We're going to have a knockdown drag out. He's mad about something I said about the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I'll pretend for a moment that I'm a Baltimore Ravens fan. And I'm like, man, the Steelers are terrible. We're going to have a knockdown drag out. So I say, you ready to fight? Put them up. Put them up. And then I go at Ryan like this. That's not what work, is it? No. Something's going, I, I, I think I'm probably going to get a black eye if I try this. And we're coming toward each other, and I've got my hands behind my back, and he's got his up ready to fight. Come on. Come on. That's what we look like if we go into battle without the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. We're going in with our hands behind our back, trying to face the enemy. And he's going to beat us up. He's going to bruise us. He's going to make us tired. He's going to come up, come up here, Claudia. Come here. Come on up here. He's going to make us tired. We're going to figure out where are we supposed to go now? What are we supposed to do? We're going to have confusion when we try to go without the Holy Spirit. When we try to go in and of our own power. But this is what we look like going into the fight with the Holy Ghost. Right here. Amen. Now put them up. <laughs> we got the help on our side. Something that's bigger than us. 
something that we can hide behind. Stand back here, Paul. It's not me. I can hide myself behind the Holy Ghost. I don't have to worry about what I'm going to do. I can hide in Christ. It's no longer me. It's Him. It's no longer by my, my, by my power, but by the Lord's Spirit. God said to Zechariah, it's not by power, not by might, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. Now, I was really wanting really want to see that fight between Ryan and Claudia. It would been a good one. It had been a real good one. We need the Holy Ghost. We need His help in these last days. By building up your most holy faith. Praying. In the Holy Ghost. And then he said this. And I'm going to be closing. Keep yourselves. In the love of God. This is where it hurts. This is where it begins to. To poke us. On the bruise. This is where the unquenchable fire. Of the Holy Spirit. Begins to purge. Keep ourselves. In the love of God. Do you want to know what's going to hinder you? What's going to hurt you from this last day outpouring is if you have something in you that is not the love of God. Any kind of bitterness, any kind of envy, any kind of strife, any kind of jealousy or unforgiveness will hinder God in your life. It will do it. Jesus even said that forgive those that you may be forgiven. He said that if you forgive, you will not be forgiven. So, I mean, if we take that as literal as it means it, if we're not forgiving somebody, but we're doing things and we're praying and praying and praying, but if there's unforgiveness in our heart, we're tying the hands of God. God wants to move in the church. He wants to move in the body of Christ. But where there is no love. John said that his love, we're made perfect in his love. And perfect love casts out all fear. But if there's anything in us that's of hate, bitterness, strife, jealousy, then we're no longer made perfect in love. Jesus said, I give you a new commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your enemies. Pray for those who despitefully curse you. Pray for those who are against against you. It'll hinder it. If there's some kind of envy and strive and bitterness in you, it will hinder the anointing of God. It will, and I'm not trying to preach to the choir or preach to me, myself. There's been times where I had to say, Oh, JT, you're going to have to fix this up or the Lord ain't going to touch you like you want him to. Come on now. There's been times where I've said, oh, JT, you might have a message in your heart, but if you don't get something out of your heart, it ain't going to work. Keep yourselves in the love of God. I want to read a scripture, and I'm closing. I'm closing just a few, few, few moments. Give me just a few moments. And I want you to understand this. If we don't allow this to happen, this is what, listen to this. Peter said, but the end of all things is at hand. Mm-hmm. 
Peter said this. He said the end of all things is at hand. That means the last days, what I've been talking about tonight. The very last moments of the church. He said the end of, this is in 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 7. But the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer. There were two key points that I could talk about. But then he said this, and above all things have fervent charity among yourselves. What does charity mean? Love. He said, above all things, have fervent love among yourselves, for love shall cover a multitude of sins. Me and Mary maybe could be at odds. Mary might have said something to me, or I said so I'll turn around. I said something to Mary. Mary would never say something to me. I'm a little brother. And Mary could call the phone and call Rita and say, Can you believe what JT said to me? Can you believe what JT said to me? He said, blah, 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 this, this, and that, that, and this and this. Can you believe it? And then she would say, But I only called to tell you this so we can pray for him again. I wasn't trying to spread anything or talk about it. I just wanted to tell you. And then she might even call Judy and tell her the same thing and say, I just want to agree on this for JT because he's really, really messing up. Is that covering a multitude of sin with love? No. That's not. Do you realize we're able to cover a multitude? I don't mean we're forgiven it. Or that they're forgiven, that they're forgiven of their own actions. But we're able to cover a multitude of sin by sometimes keeping our mouths shut. <laughs> and acting in love, in the love of Christ. Do you think the Lord Jesus Christ, if I fall, is going to go tell Claudia and say, Boy, you ought to hear what JT did. No. That's the love of God. We need to operate. Now again, if you're at odds with your brother, there's scripture. I'm not trying to go over top scripture and say we don't need to talk about things and don't need to figure things out and that it's okay for all these things to happen. I'm just saying if you're not operating in the love of Christ, if you're not keeping yourselves in yeah, His love, then there's going to be a hindrance. And it starts, judgment starts in the church. Amen. Judgment starts in how can we expect the world to be fixed and us to be envious and strifeful and jealous and malice. How can we expect any good to come when the church itself is, is finding itself in a mess? Hallelujah. So, what did you say? He said in the last days, there's going to become mockers. There's going to come things that are, that are leading you away from the Lord Jesus Christ. But he said, I encourage you, beloved, you're going to make it through. You're going to make it through. And I'm telling you here tonight, you're going to be okay. You're going to be just fine. God is going to help you. His grace is sufficient for you. He said, build up your most holy faith. Build it up. Don't, don't look somewhere else. Don't tear it down looking somewhere else. But build it up looking to Jesus Christ and what he did at Calvary. Looking to the finished work of Christ. He said it is finished, and he didn't say that for you to try to finish it. He said it to tell you that the work has been finished. If you can just believe it, if you'll just put yourself in a position, then I'll bring you victory. Come on. Building up your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit.
I want to encourage you. Spend time with God. Get used to His Spirit. Get used to His anointing. Get used to His presence. Spend time in His presence. Let the, if you're not baptized in the Holy Spirit, seek the baptism with the Holy Spirit. You may say, well, JT, I'm embarrassed to do it. Church, that's okay. Go home tonight. Close your door and ask the Lord to fill you because He'll do it. I don't care how old you are, how young you are. You can be filled with the Holy Ghost and I don't have to lay hands on you. Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. John said there's one that comes after me who baptizes in the Holy Ghost and fire. Glory to God. We need the Holy Ghost in fire. Hallelujah. We worship you, Lord. Mom come to the piano and then he said, keep yourselves in the love of Jesus Christ. That's not just that's not just talking from a preacher to the congregation. That's the preacher. It starts with the preacher. Repentance does not start with the person in the back pew. It starts with the person holding the mic and everybody else. The whole church, the whole body of Christ comes together. And he said, keep yourselves in the love of Christ. We need to be overwhelmed, overcome by the love of Jesus. I want y'all to think about this. Have y'all ever realized how much God loves you? Have you ever realized that? I'll never forget one time I was praying and I, I just began to weep. I know what it was. And it was just, I mean, I was ugly crying. It was bad. But it was God telling me, and he spoke this to me. I love you. And I, I knew he loved me. I knew God loved me. But this time I was feeling his love stronger than I ever had. He began to bring things back to me and say, JT, do, do you remember the times that I've forgiven you? How many times have I kept you from going in the wrong direction? That's because I love you. Now think back to yourself. How many times has God saved you from the miry clay? How many times has he, has he kept you from going in the wrong position, in the wrong direction? That's because He loves you. He loves you with a great love. You don't know any love like the love of Christ. The Bible says that to know the love of Christ is to be filled with the fullness of God. The note that the Bible says that if we want to be filled in this last day with God's fullness, we got to know the love of Christ. We got to come close to Him. We got to draw nigh to God that God may draw nigh to us. As she sings whatever she feels led, if there's anything in your heart and you say, boy, there's somebody I'm not forgiven, there's somebody I'm bitter toward. There's somebody that I have strived toward. There's somebody maybe that I'm jealous, whatever it could be. And I'm just going to stand with you. If there's any anything in there, let's just all stand together and let's just give it. Let's cast it to the Lord here tonight. Let's not let anything hinder us walking out of here. Don't let anything be left in you to hinder you from walking out of this place perfectly free in Christ Jesus. Completely whole. And I'm going to pray right now for all of us. Heavenly Father, we come to you. We know that in and of ourselves, 
We can't accomplish things. We need your help. It's not by might, by power, but it's by your spirit, Lord. We need you to help us. We need your leading. We need your guiding. God, we pray right now that you would cleanse our hearts of everything that would hinder your perfect work in our lives. Lord, anything that's unpleasing to you, take it out of us. Cleanse us and wash us. Any sin that we do not even recognize, bring it to our attention that we may repent of it. That it would be gone from our lives, Lord. Help us, Lord, to see you. Help us to know your love. Consume us in your love. Help us to love others as you've loved us. And God, we bring you our brokenness. We bring you our bitterness. We bring you our unforgiveness and we cast it to you. We give it to you. We're no longer going to hold on to it, but we're giving it to you in the name of Jesus. And I believe right now that I'm able to be free. Do you believe that in this place? That you're able to be completely free in Christ? Hallelujah. Lord, help us to be a witness in this last day. Help us to walk in victory. Help us to walk close to you. And Lord, help us to be a part of your outpouring. To walk in your anointing. To walk in your leading and guiding. Help us to make our calling elect. Help us to know it. Help us to walk in your perfect will. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Everybody in here says, Amen. Just worship for just one moment. She sings. Let's just worship him just for a moment as we go out here. Change my heart, oh God. Remember, David prayed this. Hallelujah. This is for God's people. Make it Make it ever new. Hallelujah. Change your heart. Lord, we ask you to take out everything that's not your will. Everything that's leading us in the wrong direction. Remove it. Help me be like you. Say, Thou art the potter. Hold me. 